With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome, everybody, to the Boiler Alert Podcast. With you as always, I'm your host, Andrew Ledman. And I'm Ryan Bonaparte. We're here, again, home of the one-in-one Purdue Boilermakers, here to look ahead to the next game this Saturday against the Syracuse Orange, taking place in Ross-Aid Stadium at 7.30 p.m. Ryan, are you excited for a night game at the brand-new Ross-Aid Stadium? Aren't I always? I I mean, I suppose that is true, that you likely always are excited for that type of game. Um, I Obviously, you're going to be in attendance with this one. You're going to be watching in the press box. Um, apart mm-hmm. from you know anything about Syracuse or the Purdue game um, itself, is there anything atmosphere-wise you're looking forward to? Because um, I, I imagine it'll be a little bit different with the team coming out of the tunnel. I assume there's going to be a lighting situation. I don't know what they're going to do. Uh, I'm kind of excited to see that. What about you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, definitely. Well, um, I know there were some issues with the video board last home game. Um, so I hopefully we'll get to see the AV department uh, work at full strength, and I'm assuming that includes the lighting situation. So uh Possibly a nice show going to be coming to Ross 8 on Saturday night. Yeah, yeah, I'm really excited. And as someone who, again, I, if you've listened to this podcast for very long, you know this, uh, I have a three-year-old, so I'm very excited that kickoff is at 7.30 uh, because he goes to bed at 8. So I do not uh, have to worry about 
not having the TV on because we don't watch want him watching too much TV or, you know, not having the sound on so that he doesn't pay attention to it or anything of, of having to catch up too much. So I'll be setting the DVR, so I'll be about half an hour behind, but with the number of commercials and uh, different breaks in college football, I should be caught up in plenty of time. So very excited about that. Also, this game is on NBC. Mm-hmm. So that's part of the whole brand new uh, rights package for the Big Ten. You know, NBC usually the home of only Notre Dame football. So uh, it'll be interesting to see Purdue on NBC, not against Notre Dame. Of course, the former employer of Drew Brees before that whole thing didn't work out. Um, but no, no hard feelings to NBC. But I'm really looking forward to see what they uh, can do for a primetime college football game. Absolutely, and I'm assuming that their app is going to work incredibly uh, well as compared to the ESPN app. Oh yeah, can't be. I don't. I can't believe we didn't mention this in the last episode. But the ESPN app, the Watch ESPN app, absolutely terrible. Um, really hard to wasn't find your game. Mentioning. Say again. Wasn't worth mentioning. Yeah, well, that's true. Um, I mean, absolutely terrible. Hard to find your game. Didn't always play. Uh, you know, took long chunks of not working. They, it's so sad because they have such an opportunity to have a really good app and people would really use it because they have so much live sports content, but they just absolutely have blown it with that app. And it's been terrible for years, but we don't have a choice. We have to use it. So maybe the joke's on all of us. Right. Absolutely. So, um, times are changing. So we'll see, uh, Hopefully some good football if you're not attending the game, and hopefully you'll be able to see it. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. So, um, as we said, 7.30 NBC, this is a sellout, um, complete sellout mm-hmm. for this game. And the the new capacity, for those that had not seen this, it's 61,441 um, with the new Ross Aid seating uh, in the student section and the addition of the second tunnel. So that is our new capacity that is the number of tickets sold for this one. Now, going on to Syracuse. In the second half of the pod, we're going to have uh, some folks on from a Syracuse podcast that is also part of the Fans First Sports Network. But for now, Ryan and I are going to give you a little bit out of uh, what Syracuse has done so far this year. Um, they are currently 2-0 and on the year, so one better than Purdue. But Ryan, tell me why that doesn't matter as much as the numbers you know, 2-0 and say. Why, why does that not matter as much? Yeah, um, well, the most important thing is in week one, Syracuse got to absolutely annihilate uh, Toothpaste University in (laughs) Colgate. And then in week two, they also uh, laid down the wood against a a MAC team. However, it was Western Michigan who at at right now, if you go by analytics, if you're one of those people, um, they are a bottom four MAC team. So not exactly the highest level of competition uh, for Syracuse, and this will be by far the best team they have faced uh, so far this year. Yeah, yeah, and and they have, I mean, in fairness, you know, we're, we're going to dog on the competition, and that's fine. Uh, in the first game, they won 65-0. to zero. Second game, they won 48-7. to seven. So they have scored 113 points in just two games. So... You know, that's obviously undeniably good. Um, You can't take anything away from the fact that they've been able to put points on the board. But again, as Ryan said, Colgate and Western Michigan, not exactly, you know, the uh, murderer's row of college football schedules. So 
What do we know about Syracuse that we didn't maybe know when we did our offseason look at them? I mean, what have we learned about Syracuse as a team so far this year? Yeah, so their quarterback is still pretty good in Garrett Schrader. He's uh, thrown for over 500 yards in two games, uh, five touchdowns and interception. He's ran for 70 yards and another touchdown, so he's versatile. Um Syracuse so far, they have scored in bunches. I mean, you said it. And it's really their passing game that seems to be doing the brunt of their work. Um, I, I say that, but it's very well spread. So their rushing attack, they have three different guys who have um, 17 or more carries. And LaQuint Allen, Ike Daniels, and Juwan Price. So... Between the three of them, they have uh, nearly 300 uh, rushing yards, and it's a balanced attack. They have several receivers with over five receptions, um, counting, I believe, it is five of them. So Garrett Schrader has his options at quarterback, and that's not exactly what you want to see if you're Purdue's secondary, which has a tendency to struggle. Um so we kind of hoped that Purdue could lock down, you know, the main source and uh, kind of bracket a guy, but that may not be the uh, play this week. Um, yeah. So it's could be a struggle, but as we said, this was against uh, far inferior competition yeah so i had the chance to send some questions over to the uh syracuse sb nation representative and they Mm -hmm. were nice enough to to send me their answers and i asked them you know what side what unit on each side of the ball worries you the most um and the one they mentioned on offense i think plays really well into a strength of Purdue's defense and that is their offensive line um they said and i'm going to quote here The Orange offensive line has struggled massively this season. The pocket seems to collapse on every single play. If Schrader was not as mobile as he is, he would have way more than the one sack he's taken so far this season. End quote. So they've lost, it looks like, three presumed starters um, from, from their offensive line. And that gives me hope that Purdue, whose defensive line has looked relatively good so far this year, um, would be able to get into the backfield and cause some problems and maybe you know take away some of the pressure on that secondary um, with the the excellent passing attack that Syracuse has. So that is my biggest hope from the kind of Purdue defense versus the Syracuse offense perspective. Yeah, I like I like that, um, especially with um, you saw it. The Purdue defensive line is quick, uh, not necessarily as um not necessarily as powerful as you'd like them to be but they are quick and can get back into the backfield um if nick scorton and kyger jenkins can have a field day this is a different game Mm -hmm. Um, yeah so uh that's kind of the matchup that i would like to see exploited the most uh but that's easier said than done, especially I believe um, you were talking about them potentially getting some offensive linemen back yeah, and, and the starting squad. So we all know at Purdue how effective that can be getting a starting or even backup offensive lineman back. So 
that's always a variable, but I like I like the defensive line's chances. Yeah, yeah, I do too. I do too. Um, so you know the obviously the Syracuse game last year we've we've talked about it. It was just an absolute you know cluster f at the end of the game. Purdue mm-hmm. taking the lead with 41 seconds, the two penalties, giving Syracuse the ball at the 50 yard line, handing the game to Syracuse basically. Um, and, and so given all that and how closely matched these two teams were last year, I was very, very surprised to see the answers from this guy from, uh, the SB nation Syracuse site. Uh, basically he thinks Purdue is going to get run over. Um, he picked Syracuse to win by 18 points, 18 Mm -hmm. points. Keep in mind, if you go online and look at various, uh, betting places right now, it is around two and a half or three points is the spread. Um, and this guy's picking Syracuse to take down Purdue by 18. He picked 34 mm. to 16. So they're going to more than double Purdue up on the scoreboard. And whether you think Purdue is going to win or Purdue is going to lose, I find that prediction a little bit outrageous. Yeah, especially at ross Aid Stadium. Yeah, at ross Aid at night, too. Right, yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, we we all know that Picking the final score is not the easiest of things, but no. we like to think we can lock in within a little bit closer than that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that just seems, you know, we talk about how you and I are homers and how um, we pick with rose-colored glasses, but man, uh, that that guy might be looking straight through some a big glass of orange juice. <laughs> So I, I don't know I don't know what yeah, he's got going on. He got that trop fifty on his table. Yeah, trop fifty there. Right. He's he's so. worried about his figure. He's getting the low calorie one. Um which right. by the way, not near as good as the regular Tropicana. I mean, let's just admit oh, it. No. Oh yeah, for sure. So um so kind of looking at this team, we know that we talked about players beforehand, and the thing I kinda wanna touch base on is kind of the extra so looking at, you know, how are they doing on third down? Mm-hmm. How are their penalties? Yeah, that's that good kind stuff. Of stuff. So um, kind of bring it uh, full full circle, you know, an orange is I was going to say, I was going to say, is that because they're the orange? Yeah, exactly. So um, we, we've talked a lot about third down conversions, right, over the past two games. And one was very good for Purdue. One was not so good for Purdue. You can say it was very bad. It was very bad. Right. So we've hit sort of our level. And Syracuse is 17 to 31 on third down. So right about that middle line. Right. So, of course, you know, water's going to find its level. Um, And the other thing that kind of strikes me as interesting is Syracuse so far in the season, has 16 penalties against them. Wow. That's, I mean, obviously I'm doing quick math here, but that's eight a game. That is a lot. Yes. So we will see how this goes. I know it got chippy at the end of the game last season, um, and both teams obviously had penalties on them, but for Purdue, it, they were some crippling penalties, of course. Um, I like to think that the Ryan Walters team so far is disciplined in that area. So yeah, we, I am encouraged. I, my hope is, my hope is that we can't possibly be less disciplined than Jeff Brom's teams often were. 
Right. Um, and, yes. and we, we talked about last year, you know, I don't know if that was a reflection of the way Jeff Brom coached or whether that was just, just a fluke thing. But man, that team last year had so many unsportsmanlike penalties. Yeah, absolutely. So that's something to look forward to or to look not forward to is the absence of penalties on Purdue. We'll, we'll find out. Yeah. Yeah. Now you mentioned uh, right, be- right before we started recording, I, I think you'd said something that um, was pretty interesting to me. You said they had fumbled a number of times this year, um, not necessarily lost them all, but they'd fumbled a number of times. Can you tell me about that? Yes. They've actually fumbled five times this season. Now they've lost only two of those. However, I mean, Five fumbles, you you got to keep a better handle on. Them. Yeah, I mean, in just two games. Yeah, exactly. Um, the other thing that I'm kind of interested at is they have actually returned two interceptions for touchdowns. That's impressive. Um, so their defense definitely looks to score the ball. Um, so there's always that. But um, if you're uh, listening at home and you have your scorecard, Hudson card is yet to throw an interception. So if he doesn't throw one, they can't return one. That is, I, that, I'm knocking on my wood desk as we speak. Uh, the, yeah, I'm in a, I'm in a lazy boy chair and it does have a wood, uh, you know, wood arms and wood base. So I will go ahead and knock on that for us. Um, but re- now you heard it here, listeners. If Hudson card throws an interception on Saturday, we know exactly who to blame. Yeah. I, I think that uh, is fair. Okay, good. (laughs) Good, because fair or not, it's what's (laughs) going to happen. Right. So do we know anything? I know Purdue has released their depth chart uh, for this game. Do we have anybody coming back? Do we have anybody um, unexpectedly out? Obviously, this is going to change on Saturday. They release a final injury report. But where do we stand right now um, with guys who have been out so far this season? As far as I know, the two players who are most likely likely to come back and play are Gus Hartwig, who that would be a big plus for the offensive line. I mean, Josh Kaltenberger did fine on last week, but Gus is just another animal. And then the other uh, player is Garrett Miller. Now he didn't play beyond the first series in the Virginia Tech game. But um, having him back will also be a big plus. So this is all all based on how their rehab has been going, and it's sort of you know best case scenario. Ryan Walter still has not said whether or not Hartwig will play this week, even though you know if he's back, he will start. So um, we're hoping that those are the two big returnees. Yeah, yeah, um, and. And I so I went through the the Ryan Walters press conference that he held on Monday, and mm-hmm. after they released the depth chart, Gus Hartwig was atop the depth chart um, at the center position. And when asked if this meant Hartwig was going to play, Walters said, and I quote, "I don't know if he will play or not on Saturday. We've got to trust the docs and trust where he's at in the rehab process. But I can guarantee you, when he's ready to play, he's going to play." End quote. So. While that is a bit of coach speak, uh, we didn't really get much of an answer there. I think the fact that they put him back atop the depth chart speaks volumes to what they hope will happen on Saturday. Obviously, things could change. You know, he could tweak something or he could feel not ready. Um, But that, to me, says they are very hopeful that he can come back and get on the field on Saturday. 
Yeah, I mean, he's got an extra six and a half hours to heal. Yeah, so. yeah, that's right. That's right. No, no noon, no noon game. We're starting at seven thirty, so uh, plenty of time yeah. to get out there. Um, so, anybody else on Syracuse you want to mention or highlight before we bring in the folks um, who who know Syracuse way better than we do? Yeah, um, I believe the player who shall not be named from last year. I mean, we're going to name him, but he uh, put the fork in Purdue last season, uh, Gadsden. I believe he was hurt, and he might be out for this game. Okay, okay. We'll have to confirm that with our with our friends here here shortly. Mm-hmm. Um, but that would obviously be good news for Purdue. We, we, you know, we're not advocating for injuries. We hope he's fine in the long run, but just not on Saturday. Right. So anybody else? Otherwise, we're going to take our break uh, and talk to some folks from Syracuse. Nope, uh, I think that's it. All right, sounds good. We will catch you folks after the break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zipline through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. anybody's question but yours you're an idiot and really a disloyal person hello and welcome to a special edition of disloyal idiots of fans for sport sports network podcast uh with you as always steve haler and christian de guzman no andy pregler because well he's on a milk carton somewhere again uh joining us for this special edition are andrew ledman and ryan bonaparte from boiler alert the uh, fans for Sportsnet Purdue podcast for all things Syracuse versus Purdue this weekend. Um, how are we doing, guys? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Yep. Um, I'm thankful that Syracuse plays under a roof 
and doesn't have to deal with too many elements. Yeah. You know, well, five and a half hour delay in your uh, week two game really, really is uh, not something you plan for, but it worked out for Purdue with that win over Virginia Tech. Yeah, that's uh, we, we actually had something similar up here uh, on the other side of football last night. Syracuse hosted uh, Siena for a men's soccer match that got called in the 53rd minute uh, because yeah. literally they were every time they took a step, they were splashing. Oh my. Yeah, it was I was watching the video feed of it and I was like, this is not this is not humanly no. right. Like you should not be running in these conditions. <laughs> so so yeah, fun Call uh fun time. What what's that? Do like do it like polo. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. There you go. <laughs> it basically could have been last night. So mm-hmm. um yeah. So we got uh we've got that for anyone who is uh randomly seeing either of these feeds and living under a rock. Uh, Syracuse will be traveling to West Lafayette, Indiana to play Purdue at 8 o'clock? Or is it a 7.30 Ah, uh, Okay. I'll be in Disneyland, so it won't matter to me, but uh, okay. everybody else will be uh, watching at 7.30. Um, so yeah, ACC to Big Ten and uh, rematch of last year. Um, I, don't know, I don't know where anybody wants to start it off, but feel free. Right, let's talk about last year first. Because... Uh, do we have to? <laughs> Well, the, I, I I won't get into why Purdue lost because you guys can uh, better articulate that. Uh, All penalties. Say, I can tell you why. Yes, that was a big reason. But <laughs> I, I, Andrew and I were talking a little bit before this. That game was weird. We specialize in weird yeah. games here at Syracuse. For yeah. The yeah. And as much as I think a lot of people on the internet that loved that game last year at Sicko's Committee, um, I don't necessarily want that again this year for both of our sanities. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, absolutely not. So, uh, Steve, you said you're going to be in Disney for for this game last year uh, during the Purdue Syracuse game. I was at um, Sesame Place ah. uh, with my Ooh. son, so I was I'd recorded the game, but I was also getting alerts on my phone. So I see Syracuse is in the lead, Purdue's in the lead, Syracuse is in the lead. And then I see Purdue takes the lead with 41 seconds left. And I'm like, all right, we, <laughs> yeah. it's over. It's over. And then I like kind of put my phone away and we're like hanging with Elmo or Grover or something. I don't even remember. And then I get a bunch of messages all at once, like text messages, group me, WhatsApp, Twitter, yep. ESPN alert. And I'm like, what is going on? And I look at my phone and I'm like, what happened? So, of course, I had to dig into like what went on. And then the two penalties after the Purdue touchdown and kicking off and you guys get the ball at the 50. And mm-hmm. I was just like, I was like, okay. I, and then when I watched it, it was even worse. Oh yeah. And this is the game yeah. that both of both teams were completely allergic to the end zone in the first three quarters <laughs> yeah. and then decided mm-hmm. to wake up for a ridiculous fourth quarter that turned into that stupidity at the end that yeah. I, I think all of us as Syracuse fans can also say we did not deserve to win that game. Purdue probably didn't deserve <laughs> to win that game. I think that if the dome roof had collapsed, that probably would have been the fitting end to that uh, that debacle. What that game yeah. needed was a five and a half hour rain delay that ultimately <laughs> decided that the game would end in a no contest. Yeah, so it would have been right. better for everybody. <laughs> but alas, the yeah. internet won because I, I mean, how many how many times have you seen Circus Committee use that gif of the cruel? that says this is so effing stupid and pans down to the guy just going, Woo! Yep. 
the internet is undefeated. You know, you, you can't beat the internet. So uh, I don't blame you there. Very true. And the best part about this is that this is a primetime game this year on mainstream cable NBC. NBC, baby. Somebody home saw of, that. Home of Notre Dame. <laughs> yeah, that, that seems to be the only time we get NBC games. But for some reason, people saw that match matchup last year and were like, you know what? We need to show the world this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. More people should see this game. <laughs> and it should represent the best of both the Big Ten and the ACC. <laughs> right. Yeah, is and there some course, secret yeah. like SEC uh, folks on the the board at NBC saying, you know what, let's grab these and make us look even better? <laughs> <laughs> could be, could be. Or they just wanted to give they just wanted to give No Eagle an interesting game. There yeah. you go. Yeah. That's exactly mm-hmm. right. That's exactly right. So I, I have a question for you guys. Fire away. So I asked because because Ryan and I also write for the SB Nation site for Purdue. And we traded questions with the Syracuse representative. And that was you? Yeah. That was me. And it Wait was, a minute. It was me last year. You were year. so confident <laughs> yes. about this game. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, no, I am. I am. I am. Del- this is a stretch for people who are used to my content on, on our site, on News Magician, because I'm usually the pessimist on our site. So what's going on? 18-point victory. Yeah, we'll 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 uh, get to why I said what my final score is because yes, I did go for a bit of a stretch. The big thing is defense. I'm absolutely in love with this defense, and a lot of people are seeing the are coming to terms with one of the trendiest defenses in the in the college football landscape, and that's the three three five. If you watched any of the college football playoff last year, that's the defense that TCU ran, and. You'll see it actually in the Big Ten uh, later this year when Nebraska, when you guys play Nebraska, because Syracuse's D.C. last year, Tony White, is now Nebraska's D.C. And Nebraska's defense isn't Nebraska's problem. It's their offense. I was going to say it's and the, the, rest, the rest of, of Nebraska. Of <laughs> yeah. Yes, Nebraska does have a lot of problems. Well, you guys can dive into that when you guys eventually <laughs> play them. So, of course, when Syracuse lost uh, Tony White to Nebraska. A lot of people are asking, okay, who's going to be the next guy that Dino Babers brings in to take over and become the DC? Well, it turns out he brings in Rocky Long, the guy who actually invented the system in the first place. And what we've seen from the first two games, yes, it's again against much lesser competition against FCS Colgate in a that, that was going to be my yes. that was going to be my rebuttal to you. Yes, yeah. it's against much lesser competition against FCS Colgate and bottom of the barrel MAC Western Michigan. However, this is a defense that even given those opponents, it's a defense that looks faster and more aggressive and more in tune, more fundamental than the Syracuse 3-3-5 under Tony Watts because you have the guy who literally invented a defense teaching the defenders who already have a pretty good grasp on what they need to do. And back when the 3-3-5 was initially introduced to Syracuse, you have defenders all the time saying how much they love this system, how much freedom they had in terms of just flying to the ball and playing with basically their ears tucked to their back and just going after ball carriers. And it's a reason why you've seen so many Syracuse defenders drafted, starting safety for the Jaguars. Andre Sisco, you know, famously honed his craft in this system. You got Derek Williams and Fatou Malafanu, both quarterbacks who got drafted in the third round 
um, in, in hone their craft in this system. And so it's a defense that has grown more in more ways than I thought than its uh, previous uh, predecessor and from Tony White. And I think that's why I think this defense is something to be reckoned with. And, and he, you can you can mark this clip and you can pull it out if Purdue gets absolutely dominated. But you know you can you can play it in your next episode and that's fine. I'll take the I'll take the L. Uh, but I'll just say you know I think any defense will look good against that level of competition if they're competent. I mean your defense should look competent against you know uh, Colgate. It's like when Purdue last year played. Uh, Indiana State and we I mean it was like 55 to nothing we had just absolutely dominated them but you can't really take anything from that it's like putting Arnold Schwarzenegger in the movie Kindergarten Cop it, is he a giant or is he facing kindergartners no one really knows we'll have to find out later uh, when he faces the you know the real villain so uh, I would just say we just it's a little too early for me to say anybody's defense is really that good yet now for the record <laughs> Christian is uh part of part of the thing is we're Syracuse and we're not used to actually looking competent against those teams <laughs> and Christian I apologize I did not recognize your name I just scanned okay. right through no, that email no. so sorry okay. yeah I, I will say I'm I'm one of the things I did mention that uh the hammer and rails readers will be able to see in the Q&A is that there is one weakness to this defense and we're not sure how it's going to fare out it's going to be their run defense and that's one of the ways that Purdue could maybe squibble their way against their defense, against the Syracuse defense. Uh, it's if Devin Mockaby has a good game. Because last year, the reason why Syracuse lost a ton of games last year towards the end after going 6-0 and to start the season was run defense. And you saw guys from Notre Dame who were under 100-yard rushers having near 200 yards against Syracuse. And it wasn't good. <laughs> it, it, the, the run defense just in general last year towards the end of this season was not good. And we're still not sure, again, because the level of competition hasn't been great, we're still not sure if those problems have been fixed. Yes, the Orange did a great job stopping the run last year against Purdue. Who knows if that's going to hold up again. Yeah, that was actually going to be my next question because, uh, like you said, last season – um, Purdue could not get anything going on the ground in this game, but um, this was really before the Devin Mockaby show got fully in tune. So um, we've kind of figured out we have a budding star on our team, and I think we would like to start to realize that we can utilize him and scheme around Devin Mockaby a little bit more. So, um, Obviously, that may present a new challenge for the Syracuse defense this season. Steve, it sounds like Purdue and Syracuse have a similar problem. Yes, 100%. <laughs> well, no, is the, is their problem their offensive line is a pile of hot garbage sometimes, or is that just a Sometimes, problem? yeah. Yeah, okay. in, in, uh, in week one, we played a fifth-string center. Oh, we know how to do that. That was two years ago. <laughs> that would, I mean, and, and I said in the, in the questions, um, Christian, you sent me, I was like, you don't really ever have a fifth string center. No, you know, it's not on no. the depth chart. It's just, it's like, it's a lineman who knows how to snap the ball. And or half the maybe time, he... it's not even that. As a former yeah, college, well, yeah. as you're, a former college center, it's like, there's your, no. Your fifth string center is your third string log snapper. Yeah. Hey, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the it's former like log snapper who, too. 
it's a guy who went over on the sideline and they're like, Hey, you're the center now. Yep. Uh, come talk yeah. to Hudson card and snap a couple times yeah. and then you're in and hope they don't. So it. yeah, we were yeah. down two years ago. I think we were down to our third string and it was, we were in kind of a pistol formation and it did not work well for anybody involved in any way, shape or form. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was, I yeah. was amazed it worked for Purdue as well as it did. Like there were no really bad errant snaps. There was no like, horrible miscommunication between the the center and the quarterback but the fifth string guy wasn't out there too terribly long before the fourth string guy came back (laughs) uh but still yep you know it's not great yeah so Syracuse is dealing with some injuries up front uh Christian uh you I I can assume you're you were just waiting for the point where offensive line talk happened uh yep (laughs) it's inevitable on our podcast that I go into some weird diatribe about the offensive line every week but um for your guys' sake, we do have uh, some injuries up front that are hopefully recovering. So what we've seen for the first two weeks hasn't been what should be our number one offensive line. Uh, we did lose mm-hmm. our starting right tackle uh, last game, but then we'll likely be getting our starting guard and uh, other starting guard back. So it's it's going to be weird up front. I don't know what... Uh, what Purdue really what what they bring on the defensive front that could uh, could cause some troubles and could put you guys in a good spot. Ryan, yeah, why don't you I, tell them about our yeah? There you go. Yeah, so um, I think really the strength of Purdue's defense is the front seven. Um, really, the outside <laughs> linebackers and Nick Scorton and Kydron Jenkins are our fast, athletic guys who can get to the quarterback when. Uh, when they're rushing and then our inside uh, or interior offensive linemen, they're pretty good at plugging holes. So last week against Virginia tech only allowed uh, uh, 11 rushing yards in total. So they did a pretty good job uh, blocking up some holes, especially since it was a downpour and you kind of tend to go to the rushing attack in those games. So definitely our strong suit now we'll just kind of glaze over the secondary and uh, <laughs> go from there i like to hear that i don't like that the front seven would be your strength in the sense that Mm-mm. uh laquint allen is uh still kind of trying to get his feet under him this year uh we saw gotcha. flat in the bowl game last year we saw him feature and look extremely good um this year we can't really at this point tell if it's a function of Babers uh keeping the play playbook really tight like he's want to do until a game like you guys um mm-hmm. or whether it's just our blocking scheme is in a situation where it's not going to give him space we're hoping the former you guys are probably hoping the latter uh right. <laughs> so we'll see how that one pans out uh, i wouldn't be surprised if you start to see him more in a you know chip and go swing pass type uh type role kind of a late league delay uh, type situation which could be viable if your secondary is as happy and fun as you think it is um <laughs> yeah it's it's had some problems it's not good when receivers are getting behind your secondary multiple times uh in a game donovan brown is licking his lips right yes now. brown and alford <laughs> are very happy at this point of the pot mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah um and you'll be up I mean, you'll be also be happy to hear, and Andrew, if you took a look at my answers, that uh, that Syracuse is actually most likely going to be without its top target, receiving-wise. Yeah, um, yeah. In fact, Ryan was going to ask you about that. H- how sure is this that he's out? I mean, I don't know what the 
because you know every school does injury reports and all of that different so i'm not sure how syracuse handles those so syracuse is one of those universities that doesn't have like a medical university attached to it like you know with pitt and umpc or something like that um and so syracuse hasn't been able to consult with doctors um in terms of around a gadsden's availability by the time that dino babers held his press conference so he wasn't able to give an update on whether gadsden would be available for this game or not what and, we, and for for those uh, Purdue fans who are listening, what was his injury? His injury was some sort of right ankle injury. Okay. Um, he okay. um, his right ankle got rolled up on um during one of the first possessions of That's last week's game. Of the game. Yeah. Yes, like this, I, it was probably the second or third play from scrimmage uh, for Syracuse. He was so he helped up. Rogers. Yes, <laughs> yep. mm-hmm, he did. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thankfully, it, it didn't. <laughs> it didn't look like bad. it was that the, bad. The but. Jets. The Jets fan here is not happy. Oh um, man! So um, I'm sorry. Uh, you, that. You, yeah. you, you remember you're <laughs> yeah, talking but, to a Bills fan here, Christian? Yeah. Yes, I do. <laughs> We're even um, less happy. I do realize that. Uh, thank you for the 20 fantasy points for my Jets defense. <laughs> um, and so it, he left the field. Gatson left the field. Um, was helped off the field, went to the locker room, and came back on crutches and with a boot on his ankle. Um, so, obviously, he didn't play the rest of the game. This wasn't a Rodgers situation where it clearly looks like he had, like, a ruptured Achilles or anything. And Babers, in his initial thoughts after the game, was hopeful that – or was at least hoping that he could get Gatson back out for this game. Um, from what we could tell, I don't – think he'll play um, just because it, Babers does like to be careful with injuries. Yeah. Um, and if he even talks about an injury, it's usually and doesn't immediately say a guy is going to be available for the next week. It usually means that guy is not going to be available for a couple of weeks. Yeah. So, so I do not think that Gatsden will be available for this game. And for the Purdue fans, you might remember Aronde because he had two touchdowns last year, including the game winner. Yeah, um, so quite a game. That was All-American this year, uh, yeah. son of former NFL wideout Aronde Gadsden. Go figure. May or may not have, you know, battled with Pat Sertan at high school and yeah. really honed <laughs> his craft there. So he, uh, he, he, was going to, he was going to be and continues to be uh, one of the – favorite targets for Garrett Schrader. Unfortunately, he, he might not be available. Now, Syracuse does have options to mitigate that, namely Isaiah Jones is going to be the number one target to um, be the guy who replaces Gatson. And he's kind of got a, film, a similar body type, a little less tall and a little less heavy, but uh, has the same type of a speed explosiveness and explosiveness as well. Showed some really good hops. Um, as well in um, the first couple of games at Syracuse. So if 50-50 battles in the air are not your secondary specialty, then, and I see that it's not, Jones might have a really good, uh, might have a fun day. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. And so, so yeah. one of the questions I had for you, uh, kind of looking at the Syracuse stat line so far, is I know you mentioned LaQuint Allen as their feature back. Um, but they really have three uh, running backs who are in that 
17 to 25 uh, carries range so far. Is that just a product of who they have played? Primarily. Uh, you're going to okay. see see a little of Juwan Price, but beyond that, you're not going to see much of anything besides Allen, I would assume, once we get to uh, to the the feature games in the schedule. Uh, Allen was delayed getting into camp, so it also probably is a bit of them, you know, continuing to get him up to full full throttle. Uh, for I, I got a hunch when you looked at this schedule, those first two weeks for Syracuse were effectively two more weeks of higher tempo game speed camp. So mm-hmm. this is this is like the start of the season for a lot of what we're going to be seeing consistently. I think. To, yeah, yeah to sense. give you guys to give you guys context, uh, Syracuse's starters only played one snap in the second half against Colgate and did not play at all in the second half against Western Michigan. Yeah, yeah. That, like I said, with Purdue playing Indiana State last year, that sounds a lot like what happened in that game yeah. as well. It was just like yeah. we, we just everybody got to play in that game. I mean, mm-hmm. you go through the roster and you look at all, and they're like appeared in one game last year, and they're like, I know exactly which game you appeared in. <laughs> Yep. Because That's, it's the same one that everyone else did. It's, so. it's, right. it's the it's the give the walk on to sometime on yeah. the field game. Right, right, mm-hmm. right, right, right. Which never used to be a thing. Now that you don't have to burn a red shirt, where right, comes you get in four handy. games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's get to uh, the part of the pod that I think Syracuse wants fans want to hear, and that's about their new about your new QB because it's a big name QB because Hudson Card, you know. You know if you're the Texas starting QB at some point, you're going to get recognition. But now he's at mm-hmm. Purdue. And while he's probably not the same level as AOC, um, there's probably some decent strengths and weaknesses that Syracuse fans have to look out for. What are those? Yeah, I would say for the first and foremost, if you're comparing him to Aiden O'Connell, uh, Hudson Card is much more mobile. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's- it's uh, it's staggering, but that's more so speaking to how immobile Aiden O'Connell was. <laughs> Hudson Card can definitely use his legs. Um, we actually, in the first two games, would have liked to see him use his legs a little bit more often just because at times he would have four or five yards in front of him but would you know sit back and try to make a play with his arm. Now, obviously, that's... Uh, Good if you have a big play coming, but um, getting those yardage um, is helpful uh, usually. So um, if you have Hudson Card as the quarterback, I mean, I don't know that he has the same weapons he had at Texas. That said, um, he still can throw a pretty accurate ball. Um, he's looked pretty posed in the pocket and he can escape a pocket. Like I said, with his legs, um, we just would like him to run a little bit more. And if he can get the ball out a little bit quicker to his receivers, it would be helpful just because sometimes a route breaks down a little bit more. Um, but overall we like what we see. And we are, we're obviously excited for that talent that Ryan Walters brought in in his first year through the transfer portal. Um, so there's still more to be desired, and we think he can give it to Purdue fans. Yeah, yeah. the only thing I'll add 
is if you are trying to compare Hudson Card to Aiden O'Connell or AOC, as we call him, just because it is so much easier to type everywhere <laughs> than Aiden O'Connell. Um, Aiden O'Connell had two very, very good weapons um, in the receiving core at his disposal. He had Charlie Jones and he had Payne Durham. Granted, Payne Durham is tight end, but um, you know he was a very active uh, receiver in that Purdue offense last year. We know. Whereas, oh, we know. <laughs> yeah, four hundred. Whereas, four yards later, we know. <laughs> yeah, right. Whereas, um, you know, Hudson Card has been without his number one tight end, and he's really struggled um, to find, I think, a go-to receiver at this point. Uh, Dion Burks mm-hmm. is uh, very, very fast. He certainly played like a number one receiver against Fresno State, uh, but then was held to just one reception against Virginia Tech. And so he's had to spread the ball around quite a bit. So I think that has both helped and hurt this Purdue offense because they're not over-reliant on one guy like they were on Charlie Jones last year. But at the same time, if it's third, you know, it's third and six, third and seven, you got to have somebody who you can trust. You got to have somebody who you know you can get the ball to in a tight spot, who you know can fight for one or two extra yards uh, if you get it to him behind the sticks. And I don't know that Purdue and, and Hudson Card really have that guy right now that they have that rapport with that they can really trust on a third and a really difficult yardage. Nice. Well, we're about halfway through here on, on our time. And I know we were talking uh, pre-show about uh, some of our favorite things um, in terms of Syracuse special teams. And I know that oh, right, I, you might I thought you were going to try and throw a home field read in there. Well, we could do that as well because it is halftime. We'll do that real quick and say, first of all, this Loyal Idiots is sponsored by Home Field Apparel, your one-stop shop for all your throwback Syracuse and even Purdue throwback apparel jersey. You can use the code NOONS23 yeah. at checkout for 10% off. Connor, don't order. disown us for uh, you know upping the Purdue side of things. I know you're an Indi- <laughs> he's an Indiana fan, so. Yeah, we know. We know. <laughs> Though he, they did drop some really solid stuff for you guys. I, they did. They did. I was they looking through some really of them. Like stuff. those are those are really sharp. Yeah, I've got All a couple com- upstairs. I've got a couple upstairs. <laughs> nice. All your comfiest throwback apparel, whether it's Syracuse, Purdue, or even your new conference mates in UCLA, USC, Oregon, Washington. Yes, this world is still weird. Yeah. You can use the code Noons twenty three at checkout for ten percent off your first order. But we love special teams here at. News Redition, and as Syracuse Online people because of our love for Punter U. And I believe, Ryan, you've got some fun Punter things for us here. Yes, I do. Okay. So I kind of explained this pre-show, but and our listeners have heard this every single podcast, um, so they know what's going on. But for your viewers, what we like to do is we took a Sickos community post online where they had the amount of punts it took each school and their punter to get to that school's nearest Culver's. Each Big Ten school. Correct. Yeah, because Culver's thrives in the Midwest. Yes. Butter burgers, frozen custard, all of the things. I don't know what any of those things you said were. (laughs) (laughs) It's, It's a very delicious fast food chain that serves instead of ice cream, they have frozen custard mm. and it's very, very good, very, very thick. And of course they've got uh, the burgers that have like a nice butter uh, on the buns and it's, it's just very good. 
Yeah, I'm in. Wisconsin finest. Yeah, and they have, and then one of their sides is delicious cheese curds. So what's not okay. to love? Yeah, there we go. Mm-hmm. We we also respect that in upstate New York here. <laughs> yes. So, so the idea is that we've gone through is we want to take a certain spot in the world where it has um, something to do with the school we are going against. And this week at Syracuse, so. I have taken the average punting distance of your punter, Jack Stonehouse, which is 46.6 yards. Okay. And I will give you the amount of punts it would take Jack Stonehouse to get from Syracuse's stadium to somewhere in the world. And with that distance, you'll be able to guess where he's punting to, given his leg doesn't fall off from the amount of punts. It's yeah, usually fair. M- many punts. So, um, it would take Jack Stonehouse 87,714 punts to get to this location. Now, obviously, that's not exactly fair. So, it's over 2,000 miles. That was about where the math just got me. So, yeah. Uh, Wow, that's that's some fast math in your head there. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, oh, you're right. Times three divided by five. What are we doing? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. hmm. And remember, it's got to be, it's a location that is significant to Syracuse in one way or another. Right. I'm going to guess the New Orleans Superdome. Nope, not quite. Hmm. Hmm. I feel like that's not 2,000 miles, but I could be wrong. Yeah, it, it's it's a bit further than the Superdome. Okay. But it could be if you go eastbound and go overseas. We are not, we're not shy of going overseas on this game. Huh. Would it be the hometown of Maximilian Mang, our tight end? Uh, nope, not quite. Hmm. And if you guys have guesses, you can just keep shouting out. Eventually, I'll, I usually just need to give it to you. Um, is it? It's usually. Is it the a center of the camp- Is it the center of campus of SMU, one of Syracuse's new ACC uh, mates? No, but that is an excellent guess. That is a very good guess. <laughs> hmm. Significant to Syracuse. Yeah, that's that's the part yeah. that I'm like trying to think of as well. I'm like, I'll give my, you, my brain is like think of Syracuse's mascot. So is it somewhere in Miami? No, but you are on the correct uh, correct line. I think I might have an idea, because I don't even know, but I'm not going to say it. Hmm. 2,000 miles? For those yeah. who are only listening, I believe Christian is Googling something to find a distance here. I I'm, I didn't look up distance because I'm not going to cheat like that. I did Google, <laughs> I did Google where the mascot Hall of Fame is because Otto was just inducted this year into the college into the mascot Hall of Fame, but I don't think that is far enough because it's only in Indiana. Mm, mm-hmm. Yep. So, um, okay. So you guys ready? You want me to give it to you? Yeah. Wait. Let wait, me let, let me let guess. Andrew go for it. it. Is it in Florida? Is it the Tropicana factory that's just outside of Tampa? No. Ah. Or, or Ooh, that's a, that was a good guess. 
That was honestly, so I had two responses to this, and they're the same thing, essentially. So this is actually the distance to Orange County, California. Ah, ah okay. yes. that's hmm. Which weirdly so, ties in even more because our former editor at Noons lives yeah. in Orange County, California. <laughs> yeah, he does. All right. So, um, but the other answer would have been Orange County, Florida. Ah, uh, okay. yeah. Yeah. Both of those would track, yeah. I like it. I like and it. Also, is Cal in Orange County? I'm I don't know, but they're not. about to get back in this. <laughs> they are. God. I uh, believe Orange County is Southern California. Ah, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's some of our new Florida uh, yeah, conference mm -hmm. yeah. Um, I, I, did, I did ask Andrew about this at our Q&A, Ryan. I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Because we can't have a college football or just college athletics podcast in general where we have two schools who are talking with each other before bringing up realignment in some weird shape or form. Because this is the real, weird world we live in where Syracuse now has their men's soccer team playing Stanford at one point, And your wrestling teams are now going to be taking on uh, Oregon and Washington. Uh, yep. So... This is a real weird world. But how do you feel about your new uh, West Coast friends? Go ahead, Andrew. Oh, I heard it. Well, okay. I told him in my email, but I'll say this. It's very weird. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, the Big Ten is a Midwestern conference is how we've always known it. It was kind of weird when we added, you know, Maryland and Rutgers. Um, it was kind of weird when we added Nebraska. So it's been weird for a little while, but now going literally coast to coast, um, it, it's just going to be bizarre. But it's one of those things, it was going to happen, whether the Big Ten tried to add somebody or not. So the Big Ten really had two choices, either stay pat, stand pat with the 14 they have and say, look, this is who we are and we're going to stay here. And ultimately they might've been one of the next conferences to be rated if other schools or if other conferences had taken, you know, these PAC 12 teams. So now the big 10 is stronger, which means Purdue is stronger and they're going to be getting more money, which love it or love it or hate it. College sports is increasingly run by money, by TV contracts. And so Purdue just made themselves incredibly more secure with, you know, depending on which account you read, uh, an additional 30 to 50 million more uh, per year than a lot of other conferences schools get. So while you can say tradition is ruined and, you know, we won't be playing our traditional rivals as often anymore because we've got to go to the West coast. Now, ultimately Purdue is going to have more money. Purdue is going to be able to, to upgrade more things, be able to hopefully run a smoother athletic department. And ultimately while you may not like the changes, they were going to happen either way. It's one of those like get on or get out of the way. And the big 10, you know, decided not only they were going to get on, they were going to drive the bus. Um, so you gotta, you gotta take that and, and run with it, I guess. So if, yeah. if I was recording this podcast back in 2012, uh, you could have just cut and pasted your audio for Syracuse going from the big East to the ACC. <laughs> and it was literally the exact same situation of, well, it's going to happen and they're going to give us more money. And, okay let's go yes right. and then and then the big east died and then the big east was reborn long live the big east right 
That sounds about right. And and you sound like half the people in our comments section who want Syracuse to go back to the Big East. I'm sure. I'm sure. I cannot imagine, like, if Purdue had, you know, for whatever reason, changed conferences, it would have just been a nightmare. I mean, people get upset in our comments when Purdue Pete gets slightly tweaked in, you know, a kid version that they put on T-shirts. And it's like, this is awful. Burn the whole department down. So, oh, you know, so it's you not just us? No, no, it's not okay, just cool. you. As I said earlier, the internet undefeated. Uh, you know, <laughs> change anything and you're going to hear it. Fair yes. enough. Now, my question is, is the ACC going to be renamed? To the All-Coast Conference? Yes, exactly. <laughs> you took the words right out of my mouth. Still <laughs> ACC. Again, yeah. also, internet undefeated. I've seen that way too many times. You okay. got to stay consistent but, with the branding, man. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's still the Big Ten, even though there's going to be 18 teams. <laughs> yeah, until is, it turns into the Big 20, it's going to be the Big Ten. Do you guys, like, uh, the, just it, put an asterisk next to the zero? And <laughs> Well, of course, I mean, the, the, the famous and best usage of it was when the Big Ten added Penn State, and then they became 11, and then there was the hidden 11 in the Big Ten conference logo. And <laughs> yeah. that was the best. Um, mm. And then, of course, you know, we ruined it by adding other teams, but. So what happens is the Big Big Ten times two. (laughs) Well, what happens is the Big Ten logos, just the IG is just going to be larger. Yeah, well, there's also (laughs) people who have turned the G into an eight. Oh, yep. God. So we're the the B18. Okay. (laughs) That sounds like the next... It sounds like the next fighter. Yeah, it sounds like the next fighter jet that the U.S. military is prototyping. It's a or an X-Wing version, yeah. Mm -hmm. That that was the name of the warhead that Luke used to blow up the Death Star. There you go. Uh, Sir, that was a proton torpedo. (laughs) True. Indeed it was. Sorry, I was so rash about that. Uh, I'm going to have to leave this podcast. Well, you can jump on the podcast I host in fifteen minutes. I have another. Produce. I have a nerd yes. news podcast, like a weekly oh. nerd recap uh, yes. podcast that I run. We're doing an well, Ahsoka, an Ahsoka uh, season or uh, episode recap in fifteen twenty. I haven't minutes. watched the one that came out last night yet. So go no, do it as soon as this is done. I, you need that's to. my plan. That's my plan. <laughs> the internet unites a lot of things, like nerds. Yes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But going back to the now All-Coast Conference, or ACC now, that is not just the Atlantic Coast Conference, it's, it is also in a weird position because um, our co-host, uh, Andy and I, we're kind of united on this idea that we don't necessarily think the ACC had to um, um, add Cal, Stanford, and SMU. But what came out later... Um, in terms of the reporting was, that was done, actually made the move make a lot more sense because the, when the ACC and ESPN made the ACC network, um, the conference uh, created what was called a grant of rights. And it's a very tight contract that mm-hmm. uh, tied the teams to uh, the ACC and kept them there until something like 2034, 2037. Yeah, 2034. Thir- yeah, 2034. And if a team wanted to leave the conference and move somewhere else, they would have to pay an exorbitant amount of money to break those grant of rights. Um, what was reported is that Clemson, FSU, and UNC were prepared to 
start making moves to pay that money yeah. and leave. Mm -hmm. And so what also was announced was that if the ACC ever dropped below 15 members, then it opened up the grant of rights to be renegotiated. And right now that contract can't be renegotiated until 2030. And so by adding Cal, Stanford, and SMU, it ensures that if Clemson, FSU, and UNC do want to jump ship, the ACC will still be at 15 teams. But if that wasn't the case, I don't think the ACC really needed to because it's not like the ACC doesn't have the same cash inflow that the Big Ten has and the Big 12 and the SEC. And so it would just make – it currently is making – just logistics and nightmare for the ACC. Yeah, yeah. That's what mm -hmm. I'm not looking forward to for Big Ten teams. It, it's going to be strange, especially we'll have to be playing, you know, Saturday night football games over in Cal, or I'm sorry, over in California or, you know, in Oregon, Washington. So we'll be playing at, you know, what what time East Coast time right. where, where most yeah. of the Purdue fans live? I, I'm, like we're, it's going to be weird. Right. We're used to Pac-12 after dark. I didn't realize right. we would need Big Ten and ACC after dark, too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's realignment talk, everyone. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations to all of us. Yeah. Um, Cliff, Cliff notes, none of it makes any sense, but we all had to do it. <laughs> yep. Mm -hmm. So we're slowly starting to wrap up here on our Disloyal Idiots Boiler Alert uh, duo podcast. Um, kind of we we've definitely uh talked about the strengths and weaknesses of each team um andrew i asked you um about uh, some of the unsung heroes i want to hear some from ryan as well but andrew why don't you start first and tell me who your unsung heroes on both sides of the ball that syracuse fans should be looking out for as like kind of those sneaky guys that you wouldn't think of so i think for me i i listed an offensive lineman as an unsung hero for purdue and an Steve will be very happy and a lineman who hasn't even played this year uh, because he's been out with injury. So I put Gus Hartwig. Um, he's the starting center for Purdue, but he's been out the last two weeks. And I think without him, you've really seen a difference in the offensive line. And that shows kind of what an unsung hero he has been for this Purdue team. He's been so stable throughout his career at Purdue. Um, he has done a really great job at the center position, which is obviously a very important uh, position on the offensive line and on the offense as a whole. Um, and being without him has just showed his value. So uh, he is the guy who I listed um, on the offensive side. And then defense, I put someone who Ryan mentioned um, already, and that's Kydron Jenkins, because um, – he he's a linebacker on Purdue outside linebacker and he's really he doesn't get the same amount of publicity I think as a guy like Nick Scorton uh does but I think he's really come into his own this season um I think he he has made a, a big improvement from last year and I think as the season goes on he's going to be someone you're going to hear more and more about yeah absolutely so on my end so offensively an unsung hero I'm kind of going to go with one of the um, second or third options at wide receiver, and that is Abdur uh, Rahman Yassin. So he is uh, very consistent. He's not always the top threat um, that people game plan for, but he can still give you four catches, you know, get downfield, make the right moves. The problem he's had over his career is injuries. So that's sort of held him back a little bit, but when he's on the field and when he's healthy, he's very consistent and makes 
a contribution to the offense that helps you win. On the defensive side of the ball, I'm going to go with a freshman, and I'm going to say he's unsung just because of how young he is so far. It is Dylan Thieneman. Both his brothers play for Purdue. He is the third Thieneman to play, um, and he has led the entire Purdue defense in tackling. He leads the Purdue defense in interceptions with two. And he's just made some big hits and some serious plays for a guy who's 18, 19 years old. He looks to have a very bright future, as his brothers did at Purdue. Yeah, he was he was the other guy I was going to mention on defense, but I wasn't sure how unsung he was since he's getting so much publicity, <laughs> just being like a true freshman um, playing and getting two interceptions so far through two games. But I, I think he's he's the the other answer that makes a lot of sense to me. Fair enough. We know in Syracuse that when if a legacy player does pretty well, you know the fan base is probably going to yeah. latch onto them. Yeah, be one. Buddy. Yeah, love love to see that last name that you recognize. You know. Yeah. yeah. So you see one, uh, buddy Jackson Thomas Bayheim on yeah. the mm-hmm. good old basketball side. Well, I think there's Maggie about McPherson. six Bayheims on that team at one point, right? Uh, blood it or like blood it. or non, yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah blood or non, yeah, yeah. So I, I know, Steve, I know you've got to get into another podcast here shortly. Um, do you guys have any more questions for us? Because I think Ryan and I were hoping to end just with some predictions. And I don't want to keep you here longer than need you uh, you know, need to so you miss your other podcast. Oh. No, let's, let's jump right into it. Sure. All right. Um, do we want to go one and one? So one of you guys and then one of us and we'll go back and forth. Sure. Yeah, sure. Christian, you want to lead off since you've already been alluded to as the surprise of the... I will lead off. (laughs) As Andrew said, I am predicting an 18-point win for Syracuse. It is 34-16. Yes, this is out of character for me, but like I said, I think it's the defense that carries this. Uh, um, And yes, I know that the defense has only played FCS Colgate and bottom of the barrel Mac, Western Michigan. (laughs) But just through the eye test alone, this defense looks better than when the past iterations of this Syracuse defense has played against similar competition. And most of the contributors that were contributors that we're seeing in this defense are veteran guys who are back and are really hungry. The main focal point is going to be Marlo Wax, who is sliding over from the weak side linebacker to middle linebacker. And he is still playing with basically his head cut off and rushing the A-gap like no, no tomorrow. The free safety, Elijah Clark, is going to get his head involved in every play no matter what. And the defensive, the quarterbacks, who may have been a concern after both of our starting quarterbacks last year left due to graduation of the transfer portal, both of the starting quarterbacks this year have stepped up and played tight coverage in Isaiah Johnson and Jeremiah Wilson. If the run defense can hold, and if Devin Mockerby regresses to the form that he showed against Syracuse, I don't think points are going to be easy to come by for Purdue. And that gives me a lot of confidence to say that the Syracuse defense will lead the Orange to a victory. And that's a forced regression of Devin Mockaby, not like him just magically not playing well. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> Ryan, do you want to go for us? Yeah, I will, I will go. So the one X factor, I think, in this game is actually just surely the location. Um we hadn't really talked about it. I know your kicker has not missed a single kick this year, but um, when you're playing in a dome, it's a little bit easier. Um, but 
I think Purdue at night presents just a whole new environment. Um, kind of the blackout and West Lafayette at nighttime. They've been some big games there. Um, I've got Purdue in this one 31-24 just because I like the effort we saw from the defense last week as opposed to in week one. I think they're on the right path. Uh, the offense is getting healthier. And uh, if Devin Mockaby can make that um, extra extra effort against uh, a defensive line that has some issues, I think that bodes well for Purdue. So 31-24 Purdue. Okay. Uh, I might almost flip that on its head and go like 27-21 or something. Um, I'll end up putting it on paper tomorrow when we publish the article, but, uh, something, <laughs> something in the vein of like a one possession Syracuse win. Um, I don't think this is going to be the stupid game. I think this is going to be a much more pal- <laughs> palatable game to watch. Uh, I think both teams have pluses and minuses that each other can exploit. I do think Syracuse will end up coming out on top just between how Schrader has, uh, just how Schrader has changed his game uh, as far as actually looking downfield to receivers instead of just tucking and running immediately, mm-hmm. uh, as well as, like Christian said, the defense. Uh, for, I mean, you guys you guys understand the uh, how we watch a game versus how most people would look at a game, and they're, they're passing the look test more so than they have in years past. So... Okay. Probably a, a one possession game, Syracuse victory is where I'll where I'll settle. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I was really surprised when we hopped on here that you guys said that Christian was the pessimistic one. Yeah, normally. Um, normally he's so, completely the pessimist. Uh, to give you an idea, to give you an idea, in our preseason predictions for overall record, everyone kind of went with eight and four, seven and five records for Syracuse. I went with a six and six and almost put down five and seven. Okay. All yeah. right. So you they they've convinced you you're a you're uh you're converted um, because like Steve said convert. Yeah, yeah, because like Steve said, the Syracuse team is passing the eye test a lot better than it has in previous seasons. Gotcha. So uh, I, I am last. I'm going to go 35 to 31 uh, Purdue. As everyone here has said, I think both teams have flaws, and I think it's ultimately going to come down to which team can exploit that flaw. Um, I know Christian and Steve, you've both said that you're a little concerned about the Syracuse offensive line, as well as not knowing fully who is actually going to be on that offensive line. You're hoping to have some guys back. And I think the Purdue defensive line can really take advantage of that. I think they've done a good job so far this year. And I hope that that will mask some of the problems of the Purdue secondary, Um, you know, preventing the quarterback from having a lot of time, preventing those plays from developing maybe make them a little bit more one-dimensional. Um, so that would be great news for Purdue. And also I do think the return, uh, hopeful return of Gus Hartwig will make a difference, allow um, Devin Mockaby to really have a much better game than he did last year against Syracuse. Um, and overall, I think to Ryan's point, playing the game at Raw State at night, um, you know, you just see a, a trail of top 10 teams that have gone into Raw State at night and lost over the last few years. Um, and and I think. It is a sneaky, difficult place to play at night. So uh, if if this game was at Syracuse, I would feel differently. Um, but since it is at home in Ross 8, I'm going to go uh, Purdue pulls out a, a 35-31 victory. 
Well, it promises, it promises to be a good game. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah, you know yeah, now that we've so. all predicted a good game, it's going to be a complete shit show. Right? Absolutely, yeah. mm-hmm. it's going to be it's going to be like a four turnover, yep. uh, two safeties, missed field goals. You know, it's going to be everything. Oh, so a Syracuse and yeah, <laughs> and as and as weirdly has been the theme of this joint podcast, if that happens, the internet wins. Yeah, there you go. Right. We're we're what here for the ending. sickos, man. We're here for the sickos. Perfect ending. We are here for the sickos. That sickos committee. We love you and endear you. As always. Well, that will do it for this joint episode between the Disloyal Idiots and Boiler Alert here on the Fans for Sports Network. Andrew and Ryan, thank you so much for taking some time to join us today. Hey, thanks, guys. It was a lot of fun.